All right, let's jump into our story, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, if you'll remember, we are looking at the story of Solomon and how he has become king over Israel, just like God promised, and he has built the house for the name of the Lord, and that's where we pick up our story in 2 Chronicles 5, we'll read in verse 2. And Solomon assembled to Jerusalem the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the fathers' households of the sons of Israel, to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. So Solomon has built the temple and he gathers the people and he says, hey, we need to get the ark. The ark is where the Ten Commandments were stored. The ark is the place where God had met with his people all the way from the time that God had brought them out of Egypt. And the ark was in the tent of meeting where God had met with His people, where God had called His people to worship Him and to experience His loving kindness. And now God has established His people under a leader, Solomon, and He has enabled them to build a permanent house for the name of the Lord. And so Solomon has asked the people to bring that ark And the tent of meeting and all the stuff used in the tent of meeting and bring all of it into the temple. They're going to put the Ark of Meeting, the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, into its rightful place, in the place where God would continue to meet with his people and the people could follow him. And so they did that. They brought the Ark up. An amazing experience of celebration, singing, and uh, music, and excitement that the Lord had fulfilled his promises. And after they got the ark in its place and the people were singing praises to God because of His loving kindness and fulfilling all of His promises, the glory of God fills the temple and everything just shuts down and they just adore the glory of God. It's an incredible scene that unfolds here in chapter 5. Let's read just the last two verses of chapter 5. Give us an idea where this chapter ends up as we transition into chapter 6. Starting in verse 13. In unison, when the trumpeters and the singers were to make themselves heard with one voice to praise and to glorify the Lord, when they lifted up their voice, accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and instruments of praise, and when they praised the Lord, saying, He indeed is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. That phrase right there is a phrase that will have repetition throughout this story. This section of the story is going to repeat this idea of God's loving kindness is everlasting. It's unlimited. His loving kindness is available for you. We've experienced it, and it just keeps on coming. So they're singing about that, and uh, they're they're just letting it out. Man, God's loving kindness is everlasting. And at that point, the text tells us that the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. An incredible scene of God's loving kindness being poured out on His people. And his people praising him for his loving kindness and just enjoying it all the more. It's amazing. And in that moment, Solomon stands up in front of the people and he begins to recount the amazing things that God has done. He talks about what God has done. He's excited about what they've experienced. Now he's fulfilled the promises. How he's put the temple there in Jerusalem. How he gave David a son and, and God fulfilled his promise to that son to build the temple. He just is so excited about God having fulfilled all his promises and poured out his loving kindness on the people. And he wants the people to hear him talk about it. And then he turns to the Lord 
He lifts his hands, kneels before God, and he prays. And the text just kind of slows down at that point. And we get right there where we can hear every word that Solomon prayed. Let's read that together. Starting in verse 14 of chapter 6. O Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven on earth, keeping covenant and showing loving kindness to your servants who walk before you with all their heart, who has kept with your servant David, my father, that which you have promised him. Indeed, you have spoken with your mouth and have fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. Now therefore, O Lord, the God of Israel, Keep with your servant David, my father, that which you have promised him, saying, You shall not lack a man to sit on the throne of Israel. If only your sons take heed to their way, to walk in my laws you have walked before me. Now therefore, O Lord, God of Israel, let your word be confirmed which you have spoken to your servant David. So the first thing that Solomon prays is, God, would you fulfill the promise you gave to my dad, that a son of David will sit on the throne forever. Will you fulfill that promise? Solomon continues in his prayer. Verse 18, But will God indeed dwell with mankind on the earth? Here we are again, revisiting this idea that Solomon expressed in his conversation with King Hiram of Tyre. He expressed to him, look, this house can't contain God. Well, here we see that same sentiment again. This house cannot contain you. But Solomon still has a request. Even though he knows that the house he's building, God will not live in because God created everything, can't be contained in a house. Here's his request. He says, but God, will God and do he dwell with mankind in the earth? Behold, heavens, the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house which I have built. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his supplication. Lord, my God, listen to the cry, to the prayer which your servant prays before you. That your eye may be open toward this house day and night, toward the place of which you have said that you would put your name there. To listen to the prayer which your servant shall pray toward this place. Listen to the supplications of your servant and of your people Israel, when they pray toward this place, hear from your dwelling place, from heaven, hear and forgive. Solomon is asking that the Lord would listen to what he says when he prays to the Lord who's placed his name at that place. And there are two things he really asks here that sets the tone for everything else he's going to say in prayer. I want you to hear me. And I want you to forgive me. Now watch how this unfolds in the rest of the prayer. The next thing he begins to talk about is listening to the people. Specifically in regard to forgiveness and restoration. He begins to talk about if someone sins and something goes wrong, if your people are defeated, If famine occurs, if drought comes, if enemies come in and wipe us out and take us into captivity, again and again he comes back to this idea, when things happen because of sin, would you hear us? When we fail you, 
would you listen? And would you listen by forgiving us? And would you restore us from the place where we have lost so much because of our failure? It's an amazing prayer. And that, that's really the emphasis. You see it multiple times throughout the prayer. Emphasize, hear us when we fail you. Forgive us and restore us. Then Solomon in verse 34 and 30, 32 and 33, he talks about the foreigner. He says, when somebody who is not an Israelite, a Gentile, prays, would you hear them too? I mean, Solomon got to witness King Huram and all of Tyre have a part to play in the building of the temple. And Solomon says, I want everyone to know your loving kindness. What you have done for us should not be contained to just us. And so when someone outside of Israel turns to you and prays towards this place where your name dwells, will you listen to them? And Solomon says, I want all the earth to know your name. Amazing. And then in verse 34, he says, when the people go out to battle, wherever you may send them, he's talking about difficulty, challenges that happen because they're following the Lord. He says, hear their prayer, their supplication, maintain their cause, uphold them. He says, when when they encounter difficult things because they're following you, maintain their cause, be their strength. Then he wraps up this whole prayer with another emphasis on just listen to us. Fulfill your promises. Keep us in your loving kindness. Just listen. It's an incredible prayer. If you you think about Solomon's prayer, and think about just the elements of his prayer, I think it'll sound very familiar. He says, God, will you just listen to me? And when I fail you, will you especially listen in that moment? And will you forgive me in my failure?" And will you restore me from the things that my failure has cost me? When I'm following you and it gets really hard, will you help me stand true to you no matter what? Will you use me to reach other people for you? I want other people to know this loving kindness, this forgiveness, this hope. Will you just use me to help others see you? Will you just listen to my prayers? And doesn't that sound familiar? Isn't that what we pray a lot of times? God, I just need you to hear me, and I need to know that you hear me, and especially when I fail against you, I just need to know that I'm forgiven, that you'll restore me, and that you'll really use me again. And that I've been so restored that I can actually do what you want, and you're going to help me do it. Will you just listen to my prayer? And can't you relate to that? I can so relate to that. That's the kind of prayer when you pray, you you really need an answer. You need to hear God's answer when you pray that prayer. Now before we step right back into the text in chapter 7, I want to give you just a little advice about biblical narratives. Alright? So we're going to step out of the story, and I want to just teach you a little bit about narratives. In this passage... Chapter 5, verse 2, through chapter 7, verse 22. You're going to see changes of pace in the story. All right? The story began with them bringing the ark into the temple. 
All these incredible things happening. Thousands of sacrifices being offered. All of this singing and worship. And it just flies by super fast until you get to Solomon's prayer. And then all of a sudden, time slows down and we hear every single word uttered. Okay, then chapter 7, the first 10 or 11 verses is going to speed back up. We're going to just go at light speed through two weeks and then about 13 years. It's just through it, gone. And then we're going to slow down again when we get to, to God's answer. This is what we need, God's answer to the prayer. All right, so what the storyteller is doing is he's crafting the story under the inspiration of God so that we can read the story and know what God wants us to know about Him by emphasizing the things that are most significant in the telling of the story so that we see the text and know what the text is telling us, emphasizes, so we walk away with understanding what God has revealed about Himself. So the places where it slows down in the biblical narrative are places you need to pay attention because that is emphasis on what God is revealing. So we slow down just like the text. I'm trying to mirror the story in the way I'm preaching the sermon. You catch that? Okay, now you've seen behind the scenes, you know, and now we're going to come back into the arena and watch the rest of the thing unfold. You ready? All right, chapter 7, starting in verse 1. Solomon finishes praying, and God responds to his prayer. Fire falls down from heaven, The glory of God fills the temple once again. The people again are going crazy with praise for God's loving kindness. We see it repeated again in verse 3. Look at that, verse 3, the end of verse 3. Truly he is good, truly his loving kindness is everlasting. Then again in verse 6, for the loving kindness of the Lord is everlasting. The people are praising God because his loving kindness has just bowled them over. They're amazed at what he's done, offering sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. This is right in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles. They've had this big feast for the dedication of the temple. Then they have this big feast for the tabernacles. And what that is, that's a feast that's been in play since they were brought out of Egypt in deliverance to God. So they're celebrating God's faithfulness and loving kindness that they saw displayed in His deliverance then in Egypt. And they're celebrating God's loving kindness that they're experiencing right now in the temple being built. It's an incredible, incredible experience. But the chronicler wants us to get with anticipation to verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon. And here's what he said. I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated This house that my name may be there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked, even to do according to all that I have commanded you, and will keep my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with your father David, saying, you shall not lack a man to be ruler in Israel. But if you turn away, And forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, 
and go and serve other gods and worship them. Then I will uproot you from my land, which I have given you. And this house, which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. And I will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. As for this house, which was exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and say, Why has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? And they will say, Because they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them from the land of Egypt. And they adopted other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, He has brought all this adversity on them. God answers Solomon. and He tells Solomon, I've heard your prayer And my answer is, I am going to listen to you. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to restore. I'm going to keep you in my loving kindness. I'm going to do everything you've asked. I'm going to fulfill all my promises. And you can keep on experiencing the unlimited loving kindness that I've offered to you in my promises. But you've got to trust me. If you don't trust me, I'm going to uproot you out of the land. If you don't trust me, I'm going to take that house, I'm going to destroy it. And it will be a mockery. I mean, God's answer to Solomon is really incredible. He gives him a promise. I'm going to hear you. I'm going to keep pouring my loving kindness out on you. But that promise is coupled with a warning. And the warning is, if you don't trust me, you will miss out on so much of my loving kindness. You don't want to miss out on my loving kindness. This story that we hear in Scripture is a story that was written for those in the day of the chronicler. So that they might continue to trust the Lord and experience His loving kindness. And I'm so glad it's a story that is written for us so that we might continue to trust the Lord and experience His loving kindness. Because God's unlimited loving kindness is available to all those who trust Him. But if you don't trust the Lord, you will miss out on His loving kindness. And I hope you hear the invitation to trust God answered Solomon. And God's answer to Solomon is an answer to us, but it's not the answer to us. It's really an answer to Solomon that points us to the answer for us. You see, Solomon prayed and he asked the Lord, will you please make sure that you keep a son of David on the throne? Well, that's one area that God was not going to negotiate. Nothing anyone ever did would ever stop God from fulfilling that promise. See, God fulfilled that promise in the person of Jesus Christ, who came as the son of David, who gave his life on the cross, so that all of us might be forgiven. You know what that means? That God answered our prayer. God, will you hear me? God, can you forgive me? God, can you give me purpose? God, can you use me? God, can you help me through this life? Our prayers that all of us are praying, God, are you there? Will you hear me? Will you help me? Will you forgive me? Will you rescue me? I've been answered in the answer God gave to Solomon. Jesus 
Christ, the King of kings, who sits on the throne of David forever, that answer to us is the answer we need to hear today. And the great news for you and for me is that God is not answering Solomon's prayers anymore. He's answering someone better. See, Jesus Christ, who came and gave His life for you, is praying, is mediating for you. So that every time you pray, every time you cry out, every time you feel like you need the Lord, Jesus Christ carries your prayers to the Father on your behalf because He gave His life for you. And the Father hears everything you pray and everything you need if you trust in Jesus. See, the loving kindness of the Lord is still being offered to you. It's just a lot better offering because now it's coming through the answer. The King who sits on the throne of David, Jesus Christ. And you don't want to miss out on Him hearing your prayers. So trust in Jesus. Your prayer for forgiveness. I need you to forgive me. Who in here has not needed to pray that prayer this week? Get real. I mean, we're all in the same boat. We, we need to be crying out, forgive me. And you know what? We need to know that we're going to be heard. Well, Jesus says He'll hear us. And guess what? He's standing as our advocate. The one who stands before the Father and declares our justification. Says to the Father, this one who has sinned against you because He has trusted in me is forgiven. Every sin, every immoral thought, every impure action, every ungodly intention, I've washed it away with my blood and He is forgiven. The loving kindness of God is available for you. He will forgive if you trust in Jesus. and You don't want to miss His forgiveness. Your prayer, God, will you use me? Will you do something in me to help others? That prayer is a prayer that Jesus Christ has already answered. If you've trusted in Him, He has sent His Spirit to dwell in you. You know what that means? God, back in the day of Solomon, told Solomon, if people turn towards this house, I will hear them. Well, guess what? We don't have a house anymore. But you know what God has done? He's placed His Spirit in those who trust in Him so that we might be a temple of the Lord so transformed by the constant loving kindness of God that the world sees our lives and says, there is a God. Tell me about Him. The way you love each other, the way you sacrifice, that's not normal. What's happening? The Holy Spirit lives in us and is is transforming us to be like the one we love. Guess what? You're prayer that God would use you is answered in Jesus. The loving kindness of God is being poured out. If you just trust in Jesus, you will experience what you don't want to miss and what you don't want others to miss. As you follow Christ in this life, you're going to experience difficulty. But guess what? Jesus Christ has said to you, He's never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. He'll take everything that happens in your life and He'll work it for good, for the glory of God. You can trust Him in everything you face because the loving kindness of God has been opened to you through Jesus Christ. 
You do not want to miss one moment of the loving kindness of God found in Jesus. Trust Him. I fear we have a lot more to relate to than just Solomon's prayer. Consider the people who read Chronicles for the very first time. Think about who they were. They were the people who had returned from exile to a land that was inhabited by people that were not God's people. And they came back to the land and they found a temple that was completely destroyed in total rubble. Those are the people that are hearing Chronicles for the very first time. And you don't think for one second that they're not standing there looking at the rubble, looking at the land that's been ravaged by people that are, that are not God's people. You don't think for one second they're thinking to themselves, we lost so much. If only we'd have kept on trusting in the Lord. If only we'd have kept on trusting. You ever feel like that? I wish I would have trusted in them. Look what I lost. Look what that disobedience cost me. Why didn't I keep on trusting? You ever look back in your life and think those thoughts? I think at some level all of us feel those feelings. I promise you that's not all the people who heard Chronicles for the very first time felt and thought. You you know what was overwhelming for them? Had to be. As they stood there, back in the land from exile, as they stood there and rebuilt the temple, they had to recognize when they heard this read that when Solomon prayed, My people who are called by my name humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear and I will take care of them and I will heal their land. You have to know that in the moment they're standing back at the land from exile, rebuilt the temple, that they have got to be praising the Lord because God's loving kindness never changed. It never changed, it never ended, it never stopped, it never left. They just quit trusting the Lord. And the moment they began to trust the Lord and cry out to Him, His loving kindness was reopened to them and they experienced the great loving kindness of God. He heard them, He forgave them, He restored them. They didn't sit there and think about all they lost. You know what they thought about? They didn't think about what it cost them not to follow the Lord. You know what they thought about? They thought about what they were supposed to do right there in that moment. They saw the promises of God and the loving kindness of God poured out. And in that moment, they thought about the one thing they still were supposed to be doing. They were brought back to the land. They'd rebuilt the temple. Guess what they were waiting for? A king. They were waiting for a king to sit on the throne again. And there they were. All the years of exile, God still heard them. He brought them back and He said to them, the best is still to come. Now do what you're supposed to do and trust me and wait for my King. I mean, isn't that what we need to hear from God today? 
Lord, would you hear me? Would you forgive me of my sin? Will you use me in this world? Will you help me stand for you no matter what? And Lord, I recognize that my failure has cost me your loving kindness in the past. And I am racked with that regret. And the Lord says, hey, I've got an answer for you. What you've lost in the past is nothing compared to what you will gain in the future if today you will do what you're supposed to do. The King is coming. And if you will wait on Him, you will never be disappointed because the best is yet to come. So trust in Jesus today.